Man, that sunset is gorgeous. Grill, patio, sunset. Hard to get better than that. Unless you're browsing Carvana's inventory while you soak it all in. Oh, burger time. So sit back, get comfortable. Carvana's got thousands of cars under $20,000 just waiting for you. I could stay here forever. Carvana, where car buying meets comfort meets convenience. Download the app or visit Carvana.com today. CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. Fill her up. You're listening to the Gas Digital Network. We need to roll back the state. We spy on all of our own citizens. Our prisons are flooded with nonviolent drug offenders. If you want to know who America's next enemy is, look at who we're funding right now. Every single one of these problems are a result of government being way too big. What's up, everybody? Welcome to a brand new episode of Part of the Problem. Libertarian Tupac here, Comic Dave Smith, and I'm joined, as always, by my life partner, Robbie the Fire Bernstein, the king of the cocks. How you feeling, brother? I'm doing well. Perryville was fun, and more live shows coming. Perryville was great. Great time. I really love that uh, spot, uh, Fifth uh, Brewing. What's it called? Fifth Company Brewing. Fifth Company Brewing. Great people there. Uh, really, really cool spot. If you live in the Perryville area, go go check out uh, Fifth Company Brewing. Really cool spot. They make they make delicious beer. They got great like bar food and stuff. Just a really great staff. Uh, awesome, awesome venue. Go check them out. And yeah, we got a bunch more stuff coming. I'm gonna be uh, heading off to LA um, in a few days here, and then uh, the following weekend, me and Robbie will be out in uh, at Hyenas Comedy Club in Fort Worth uh february 10th and then over to their spot in uh in dallas on february 11th which is fort worth and dallas are very very close to each other um but anyway so yeah come out come out to those shows february 10th and 11th then uh the next up is uh the house of comedy in detroit february 17th and 18th got a lot of stuff coming out Pottstown, pennsylvania providence rhode island chicago uh tampa florida uh just added syracuse Albany. Uh, we got gigs in Salt Lake City, Utah coming up. A whole bunch of stuff. ComicDavisSmith.com. Come see me and Robbie the Fire doing some stand-up comedy uh, near you. 2023 going to be a lot of uh, a lot of going on the road. And I got uh, two gigs. I got this Friday night. I'm in Fairfield, Connecticut opening up for Justin Silver. Coming out for that. And then I think the weekend after that, I'll get you guys the date. Going to be with BK Chris and Ryan Long up in Buffalo. Awesome. Awesome. Very, very good. Love all of those people who you just mentioned. All great. Okay. Um, all right. So to start today's show, uh, we're going to uh, hit on a topic that we've we've uh, discussed before, which is that uh, CNN is evil. Um, <laughs> but this is even by CNN standard, like a little bit, a little bit more satanic than just your average evil uh, CNN norm. So this really, I saw this and it just made me so furious that I, uh, I, I just could not open the show with this today. Um, 
this was a piece that was uh, written yesterday, um, or I should say was posted on CNN.com yesterday. And uh, here's here we go. Let's get into it and uh, deal with some evil. So but, uh, CNN tweeted uh, from the at CNN uh, Twitter account. They tweeted, uh, this is the, the tweet, uh, COVID-19 has become the eighth most common cause of death amongst children in the United States, according to a new study. So that's, uh, that's their tweet. And the headline of the article, and I'm not making this up, this is their headline, uh, COVID-19 is a leading cause of death for children in the U.S., despite relatively low mortality rates. So that's, that's their... Uh, their title that so you should really be concerned about you know kids dying from covid um so i look just to start off this is so it, it's such a great example of what Ma- michael malice always says which is um uh just such a great line and he goes the uh the the corporate press is largely uh um factual but not truthful and that's this is an example of that no don't get me wrong sometimes they're also not factual uh, they will get fa- the, you know they will get their facts wrong also, but this is a perfect example of something being factual but not truthful. Now, by the way, I don't know that this study is correct. There's one study that said it's the eighth largest ca- uh, cause of kids dying. But what, when you're talking about truth, if you were getting at truth, the, you would write an article saying uh, kids really statistically have nothing to worry about in terms of dying. Um, even within their own article, they, they admit some of this, um, throughout all of, uh, COVID, um, throughout all of the, the COVID deaths, uh, 1% of all the deaths since the start of the pandemic, uh, have been amongst those, uh, younger than, uh, uh, younger than 18. That's 1% of the deaths. Um, then, you know, forget even taking into account, uh, you know, how those deaths are, are measured exactly then if you're going to take into account people with severe uh like health problems which is the overwhelming majority of that one percent like almost the entire majority the entire one percent and you're left with a number that is statistically non-existent just statistic but that's not the point of the title the point of the title is to scare you oh my god it's the eighth leading cause in kids dying I just can't explain how despicable this is to try to put uh, articles out there that play on people's fear of something bad happening to their kid. And of course, Rob, we know why they're doing it, right? What's the end goal of this article is to convince you to get your kids jabbed. More boosters. More boosters for the kids. It's so crazy too. Like even if it is true that it's the eighth, like it's like there's a way that like statistics can be very misleading, right? Because something could be the eighth leading cause of kids dying, but it would still not be that important. You know what I mean? To, to think about because kids don't die that much. It's one of the things about being a kid. There's not that many things that kill kids. Um, kids, what, anytime a kid dies, it's like, cause something kind of crazy happened. It's a wild situation. Um, typically people die when they're older than being a kid, right? And things that, like, if you think about the things that are leading causes in adults dying, well, like, certainly a huge part of it 
is like um, like preventable illnesses. You know what I mean? Like things that uh, come along from years of smoking, years of drinking, years of eating like crap, you know, obesity related things, stuff like this. Now, none of that kills you when you're a kid. You might be doing some of it when you're a kid and it will kill you down the line, but it's not going to kill you as a kid. So like, in other words, obesity amongst kids, you know what I'm saying? Does not lead to a lot of deaths amongst kids, but it leads to a shit ton of deaths amongst those kids later in life. So it's just a very kind of like misleading way to even think about these things. There are things that are much bigger problems that, um, that, that maybe wouldn't necessarily out rank it on this list if that makes sense um okay so let's jump into this article a little bit and and discuss uh covid19 has become the eighth most common cause of death amongst children in the united states according to a study published monday children are significantly less likely to die from covid than any other group according to the federal data covid19 has been the third leading cause of death in the broader population but it's but it's rare for children to die of any reason, the researcher wrote. So the burden of COVID-19 is best understood in the context of the other pediatric deaths. And here's a quote from Dr. Sean O'Leary. Pediatric deaths are rare by any measure. It's something that we don't expect to happen, and it's a tragedy in a unique way. It's really a profound event. Everyone knows that COVID is the most severe, uh, is the most severe in the elderly and immunocompromised. Uh, compromised and that it's less severe in children, but that does not mean it's a benign disease in children. Just because the numbers are so much lower in children doesn't mean that they're not impactful. So, okay. a lot of nonsense so far. So, just because there's, it's um, just because if you have a a, a child who does not have some like severe health issue like they're not like you know they don't have leukemia and they're in the middle of treatment for it right like if you just have a kid who's like a, a regularly uh you know a, a typically healthy kid it is statistically the probability is zero that your kid will die from covid but then they could say things like even though that number is very low it doesn't mean it's not impactful uh, okay sure but that's the same thing uh, that news anchor said the last time. Well, the people that died were affected. Yes. Yeah, but if we're making decisions for large groups of people, yeah, anytime anything tragic happens, it's tragic for that person. When a person gets struck by lightning, it's tragic that he got struck by lightning. Yes. For the rest of us to orchestrate our lives around the risk of getting struck by lightning would be really stupid. Or for the rest of us to have an investment strategy, I said the last time of winning the lottery is retirement would be really stupid. That's not the way, like, these people are literally going, hey, let's make stupid decisions. Let's not look and, at large numbers. And and let's they look. know this, Rob, as we pointed yeah. out, they know this because you never see them uh, applying this logic to the vaccine. Right. I mean, it's that simple. It's no, I mean, they don't exactly say this ever, but no one actually can argue with the straight face that no one's died from the vaccine. Right. Like this, right? So to those people, you know what, Rob? It was impactful. It was really impactful to those people like that. Like, isn't that just the counter right away to uh, who who was it? Who said it? Was it Neil deGrasse Tyson or one of them who said they go to those people who died? It really meant something. It's like, yeah, same with the vaccine. So there you go. Proof against anyone taking the vax. You and know. Thanks for uh, letting me know that pediatric deaths are tragic in its own unique way. Yeah, they're different than other deaths, but still tragic. <laughs> I mean, can we, can we get more into the minutiae about right. things that were fucking obvious? Yeah, really? Really? 
Okay. In 2019, the last year before the pandemic, the leading cause of death amongst children and young adults aged 0 to 19 in, uh, included um, perinatal, uh, um, per perinatal conditions, um, unintentional injuries, congenital, uh, congenital malformations and deformations, assault, suicide, malignant uh, neoplasms, disease of the heart, and influenza and pneumonia. Um, the researchers analysis, uh, uh, the researchers analysis of data from the U S centers for disease control and prevention found that there were 821 COVID-19 deaths in this age group during a 12 month period of August 21st to July, uh, of August, 2021 through July of 2022, the death rate about one for every 100,000 children ages zero to 19 ranks eighth compared with the 2019 data it ranks fifth amongst adolescents aged 15 to 19 so that is what you're looking at there they say one out of every 100,000 children age zero to 19 and even that i would be skeptical of even that that's the number they could come up with you know what i'm saying like an e but that does kind of you know put it in a little bit better perspective uh, COVID-19 deaths displaced influenza and pneumonia, becoming the top cause of death caused by any infectious or respiratory disease. It caused substantially more deaths than any vaccine-preventable disease historically, the researchers wrote. Um, not clear if they're saying that that means kids or not. But, of course, this is also very misleading if you're looking through this time period because if you remember, the flu uh, disappeared whether it really disappeared or didn't really disappear, that's up for you to uh, to figure out for yourself. But the flu, basically, they were counting no deaths. So yes, in that period, it might be true that they counted more COVID deaths, but there's no debate that the flu is deadlier for children. Like if you get the flu, you have a, bet a higher chance of dying. Still, incredibly unlikely that a kid is going to die from the flu. But that flu is definitely more risky to kids. So this is a very like intentionally manipulative way to put that, that, well, in this time period, when there's, there was no flu, you were more likely to, you know, die from this. But right now in the time period we're in, there is the flu again, conveniently. Um, and that's much worse. You should be more concerned about that. There's, there's no argument at all that if your kid, if your kid had to have COVID, the flu or RSV, You'd absolutely want COVID every single time. Hey, no question. It's really deadly if we uh, also group in all these other <laughs> diseases yeah. and count those numbers. Yeah, that's right. Which, by the way, is uh, unironically what they're doing right now to scare people about their kids. Right. They call it the tridemic or something like that. But they go, COVID. well, if you look at COVID, the flu and RSV all together, it'd be afraid of. Now we, we can piece together something to be afraid of. All right, guys, let's take a moment and thank our sponsor for today's show, which is RexMD. Fellas, if you sometimes feel like you lack confidence in the bedroom, go check out RexMD. RexMD is FDA-approved 
and the most trusted leader in men's telehealth. RexMD has made it simple, easy, and cost-effective to help all the men out there last longer and feel more confident in the bedroom. They make getting generic and branded Viagra or Cialis easy. Everything's online, even the prescription, and they deliver it directly to your door in discreet packaging. No waiting rooms, no embarrassing trips to the doctor, no insurance, and no co-pays. Take advantage of their best deal they've ever offered and save up to 90% off and only pay $2 per dosage with our exclusive link, rexmd.com slash problem. This is a limited time deal. RexMD also has a lot of other stuff. It's not just for sexual health. They have stuff for pain relief, hair growth, sleep aid, all the things that men need. rexmd.com slash problem. All right, let's get back into the show. By the way, one of the things that's so disturbing about that that they never point out is that the reason why kids are getting so sick right now is because of the the measures that our insane governments put into place during COVID. There's a huge factor. I've talked to several doctors about this. Um, uh, uh, my my kids' pediatrician, um, a couple other people who I know. And this is and you can see it. I, I I also just like I see it all around me. This is kids today. If you have a kid anywhere between like um say three and five around that age, they're they're getting sick left and right right now. And the reason is because in 2020, everything was shut down. In 2021, everything was pretty much still shut down. And that last cold and flu season was of 2021 going into 2022. Things were still pretty shut down. There was still a ton of like masking and all this other insane stuff. Um, and now it's kind of like the first winter, the, the winter of 2022 going into 2023. And these kids didn't get the colds that they were supposed to get in the last couple of years, they didn't build up their immune system. And so now they're paying for it and they'll, they'll ultimately still probably be fine. It's just now they have to get sick over and over. But so then they'll use that and go, Oh, this is a really bad RSV season, a really bad flu season, a really bad cold season. And there's still COVID there. So that's enough to like talk about, wait, maybe we should bring masks back or something like that. It's very, very dishonest. Um, what was the what was the last line? Do you mind rereading that about that that, that it's a higher threat or a higher death rate than any other? Hold the, on, the, um, uh, any other vaccine? Something. Uh, is that it, it said it caused quote substantially end quote more deaths than any vaccine preventable disease historically? The researchers wrote. Well, what is that like? So when before we had a vaccine for measles, you're right, saying it wouldn't count. It wouldn't count because it wasn't a vaccine preventable disease yet. So they're only going to measure probably still after you had the vaccine. So in other words, all the other vaccines work. And so they put an <laughs> end to the problem. That would be and another so way to look at this it. Is the only one that the vaccine doesn't work. So it's the high, got the highest vaccine preventable because it's not vaccine preventable. Well, they're, know, they're trying to they're trying to argue it's because you haven't gotten the vaccine. The problem is that they're not actually establishing that the vaccine is going to stop this from happening, which is right. the other, uh, you know, uh, point to this. Um, OK, because here, by the way, this is this should clear things up of what they're arguing in the next uh, the next paragraph. According to uh, CDC data, children are less vaccinated against COVID-19 than any other age group in the U.S. Less than 10% of eligible children have gotten their updated booster shots, and more than 90% of children under five are completely unvaccinated. Could you believe that, Rob? 
90% of children under five are completely unvaccinated. What a tragedy. Now, but if you see, this is like just how, it's not just dishonest. It's like so fucking evil. Is you see what they do, and they do these things like, this is not, again, this is not in the CNN opinion piece section. This is in CNN health. And they present this as like, look, we're just sitting here telling you about a new study and giving you some data. It's like reading about kids without food in Africa where you're just reading it like, oh, my God, why can't we do something for them? That's like that's the way it's presented. These kids are just left unvaccinated. And and even worse than that, they're they're first they give you this this uh, very like it's not that the data is manipulated. It might be. I don't actually know. I wouldn't be surprised if it was. But they present it in a very dishonest way to make it sound much worse than it is. And then the very next paragraph is, according to the CDC, you know, most of these kids aren't vaccinated. Now, they haven't actually at any point made like an objective point about like, we know that this vaccine will prevent these kids from dying or we know that this will. But they put it in the order to let you clearly draw the conclusion that you're like, oh, well, that's why that's the problem. All right. Uh, Continuing. Uh. Uh, to the article quote if we looked at all those other leading causes of death whether you're talking about motor vehicle accidents or childhood cancer and we said gosh if we had some simple safe thing we could do to get rid of those wouldn't we just jump at it and we have that with the covid vaccine says o'leary what is also a uh, uh, who is also a professor of pediatric infectious disease at the University of Colorado School of Medicine and Children's Hospital, uh, Colorado. So this is where they're going. Now, and here's just a quote from some, again, this isn't an opinion piece. We're just delivering the news. Here's a quote from one doctor. Do you think they're going to have a quote from another doctor who argues that that's absolutely ridiculous, that there's, at, there's really no scientific justification for vaccinating your three-year-old, which is also, by the way, to the credit of the American people, why 90% of them have not. Um, a, a CDC uh, survey of blood samples suggests that more than 90% of children have already had COVID-19 at least once. That's why they better be vaccinated. I mean, you, you better imprint them with a very specific immunity that no longer works for the current variants as opposed to the natural immunity that might uh, leave other functions still in place. So but make sure I the want... antibodies are left. Let's not be concerned with natural immunity, T cells, or your other systems. Let's imprint. Let, now let's let let's uh, let me just read this next paragraph. So I'm going to reread that short paragraph and read the next one real quick. Um, a CDC survey of blood samples suggests that more than 90 percent of children have already had COVID-19 at least once. There is uncertainty about exactly how much risk the the virus will continue to pose, O'Leary said, but the potential benefits of vaccination clearly outweigh any potential risks. How can that be if you don't know the risks? I'm just sorry. If if you're literally saying I don't know the risks, but the potential benefits outweigh the risks, you haven't quantified the risks. How can you possibly know that you're literally telling me you don't have the second half of the equation? Oh, it's, it's they don't have the first half of the equation. No, I'm saying if you want to make a comparison between the benefits and the risk, but you're saying we don't know the risks. So how can you possibly do a comparison? No, but you're I'm openly saying, telling me you don't have the information. He's even saying there's but, but I'm saying it's even more than that. He's openly saying that they don't have the uh, information for the benefits either, because right. they're saying there's uncertainty about how exactly how much risk the virus will continue to pose. So if you don't even know and, and, and let's be clear about this, uh, like, uh, again, let me let me say this. Of of children 
who are not catastrophically ill, okay? And I'm not downplaying how horrific that is that some kids are uh, catastrophically ill. It's the worst thing in the world. But of children who are not catastrophically ill, who have already had COVID, how many in the entire country have gotten COVID for a second time and had a serious negative outcome? I mean, hospitalized or died from it. What's the number? And I'm telling you, it's zero. Produce one case. That is my challenge to all of you. And I will, I will issue a public apology. Produce one case of a healthy kid who had COVID and has natural immunity and got it the second time and, some, and, and died. You cannot find one. I promise you. Not one. It's rare enough that there's a healthy kid that's ever died of COVID. There's only a handful of those cases. You're never finding one the second time around. So in other words, that those 90% of kids who have already had COVID once, there is no, there is so no need to even think about this. It's ridiculous. Just the safest group of people from COVID you, you could possibly be. Okay. Um, us. And then just to say that, well, the potential benefits of the vaccination clearly outweigh any potential risks. Like, show your work on that one. Show, like, show your work. Since there's zero benefit, if there's any risk at all, the risk outweighs the benefit. So that's essentially the argument I'm, I'm making, is that there's zero chance, zero, zero, zero chance that your kid dies from COVID. And it's not zero of the vaccine. Okay? So... That's that already, I think, disproves the argument that the benefits clearly outweigh the uh, the, the costs. Um, and now, uh, quote, uh, vaccination clearly is our best option right now. And the benefits clearly outweigh the risks, he said. Better safe than sorry. So he threw in uh, two clearlies and then a slogan. Better safe than sorry. I, I actually agree with the better safe than sorry part. That's why my kids will not be getting vaccinated, because I agree. I'd rather be safe than sorry. Um, back to the article. Uh, the findings of the new study published in uh, JAMA Network Open may underestimate the uh, mortality burden of COVID-19 because the analysis focuses on deaths where COVID-19 was an underlying cause of death, but not those where it may have been a contributing factor, the researcher wrote. Also, other analysis of excess deaths suggests that COVID-19 deaths have been underreported. Also, other analysis suggests it's overreported. But as COVID-19 continues to spread in the U.S., the researchers say that intervention methods such as vaccinations and ventilation will continue to play an important role on limiting transmission of the virus and mitigating severe disease. So that's the article. What a steaming pile of crap. And just in the most despicable way, like trying to convince people that they should be afraid for the lives of their kids about something that clearly poses no risk. It's just not true. It's just, I'm sorry, there's just no one who's calling like balls and strikes on this down the middle who is telling you that this is anything to be worried about, that your kid's going to die from COVID. It's just ridiculous. I guess we're lucky no one's uh, listening to or watching CNN anymore. Yeah. Yeah, that is uh, that is true. 
Oh yeah, you saw you you sent me that thing the other day that we're uh we're we're beating CNN in the uh in the demo. Yeah, well, they say that twenty five to four, I, twenty five to fifty is like the most lucrative demo, uh-huh. and we have more, we have more in that category than they do during prime time. And I'm sure their prime time numbers are distorted by the fact that it's still left on in gyms and airports, and how many people are even like, you know, that tuned into it as opposed right. to just having it on in the background. Right. Um, it's wild to think about how negligible their influence is. If yeah. During prime time, they're smaller than we are amongst 25 to 40 year olds. Yeah. I mean, well, yeah. Sure, you throw in the nursing home numbers and they're a little bit larger. But in terms <laughs> of like actively engaged human individuals, we're killing them. Yeah. Yeah. It's but there's something really uh kind of, you know, interesting about that. And especially that just, you know, I mean, when you see. You know, when you when you see pieces like this, you kind of understand why. You understand why? As, uh, who's it? Glenn Greenwald had a great uh, a great tweet about this recently. I'm trying to just pull that up right here, but um, that really uh, you know, it just says it's it's kind of like a similar point that we've made before. But it's um, he was talking about I think specifically CNN or MSNBC. I can't remember which one. Let me see if I can find it. But he was just talking about the way that they um they covered the Hunter Biden uh laptop thing, and how it's like. There's like this just blatant, you know, like like this one, I, I guess with the um with the Trump Russia collusion story, there'll probably still be some people as ridiculous as it is who hold on to this idea that like, no, well, there was something there. Right. Didn't we just played uh, who was it? Was it Scarborough who was holding on to that recently? Well, no, the fact that the FBI agent went down proves that we can't trust the verdict of that or something like that, Um, you know, which is obviously completely absurd but when it comes to the idea that uh hunter biden's laptop was russian propaganda that it was a fake and that wasn't actually hunter biden's laptop that is one that everyone's given up on like there is nobody in the corporate press even who who will look you in the eyes and still tell you that that's the case now they could uh they could perhaps say well at the time it seemed this way that they might get you uh you know they they, they might uh like be willing to hold on to that i can't find the uh the tweet here but whatever it's it's fine um th- so they may hold on to that let's say they they could wiggle out and go well at the time it did seem like it was uh russian disinformation but that's not good enough because it, they, they'll even have to admit it turned out it wasn't and they know that they broadcast this message to their their viewers like that they told them right before the election not to think about this story because it was Russian disinformation. And none of them come and apologize about that. They, even when they correct the record, no, none of them in a sincere way or even in any way go like, we really gave you bad information right before you were about to vote for the president of the United States. Not a single one of them. So when you see these numbers of CNN, like their their ratings dwindling and stuff like that, it's just like it's so well deserved. It's so obvious why. And this is one of the most, you know, this is one of. But we talk about a lot of things that are very easy to get kind of like uh, um, depressed about uh, of the state of affairs in this country. But this is one of the things that's really exciting about the time we live in now is that people really have. It's not just like us that a huge 
portion of the population has really realized, oh, yeah, these guys are just not to be trusted. And just to be clear on this, Rob, if you want like the actual numbers on it, uh, here's a quote um, the, uh, from um, the rap.com. Uh, that was measuring these numbers. CNN has notched its lowest ratings in nine years across all its day parts, averaging just 444,000 viewers in prime time, 93,000 in the all-important uh, 25 to 54 news demo. Um, and uh, in uh, the day, um, they they averaged 80,000 in that 80, demo. 80,000 is nothing. It's pretty incredible. It's pretty incredible to think like that an operation like ours can beat this operation that includes. I mean, I used to work at CNN. You know what I mean? This operation, you go to the, Tur the Turner building and it's like a fucking skyscraper with like a whole, you know, you know, penthouse, you know, offices and windows and multiple different professional studios and all of this stuff. And like, yeah, just pretty, uh, pretty interesting um to to think about all right guys let's take a moment and thank our sponsor for today's show which is sheath underwear as you all know by now this is the underwear of legends and i am one of those legends as this is my underwear the only underwear that i own is sheath underwear they're so incredible They'll, go get one pair of these underwear you're going to do what i did and throw out the rest of your underwear and only wear sheaths boxer briefs they're the most comfortable supportive they keep you warm yet they keep you cool like you don't sweat in them but you're not cold in them they have great support they have the dual pouch system that separates your man parts and just keeps everything right in place and comfortable uh you don't have to use the dual pouch if you're skeptical of it like i originally was you could just wear them like a regular pair of boxer briefs they'll be the most comfortable box briefs you've ever worn in your life plus sheathunderwear.com has other stuff as well it's not just underwear they got hoodies and gator necks and stuff like that go over to sheathunderwear.com support one of our most loyal sponsors uh, that supports this show and use the promo code problem 20 it'll get you 20 percent off your entire order sheathunderwear.com promo code problem 20 for 20 percent off your entire order all right let's get back into the show um uh, Glenn Greenwald uh, tweeted, he said, this is so well-deserved and good for the country. CNN turned itself into a fanatical political pack during the Trump era and got a few quick uh, sugar highs, hired an army of U.S. security state operatives and ratified one lie after the next with no retractions or accountability. Just look at this alone. Oh, here, this is a good one here, Brian. I'm going to send this to you. This is what I wanted uh, um, to play before. One second. Let me just send this over to Brian. Okay, so um, whenever you get a chance, Brian, I just sent you over this uh, this video. So this is one that he's uh, he uh, he's, he goes just uh, Glenn Greenwald says just look at this alone. Everyone who works at CNN knows it spread an outright lie before the 2020 election. No one ever told their audience it was false or that they spread it, let alone apologized for it. And here is the CNN uh, tweet. Um, it's a tweet uh, from, of course, the former director of national intelligence, James Clapper, or it's a clip with the former director of intelligence, James Clapper, of course, who famously lied uh, to Congress without any consequences about how the NSA wasn't involved in any collection of, uh, of, of metadata. Um, here, uh, here, here's the clip. Obama. So, Director, a bunch of questions from this. Let me just start with this. How much does the source matter, right? So here, the story of this laptop, we don't know a lot. 
we do know that the, the way that this information is getting out is through Steve Bannon and Rudy Giuliani. How much uh, do the, the, does the source matter here? Well, source matters a lot, and, uh, and the timing matters a lot, I think. And to me, this is uh, this classic uh, textbook uh, Soviet-Russian uh, tradecraft at work. Uh, the Russians have analyzed the target. They understand that the president and his enablers uh, crave uh, dirt on Vice President Biden, whether it's real or contrived, that doesn't matter to them. And so all of a sudden, two, two and a half weeks before the election, uh, this laptop appears somehow uh, without and the emails on it without any metadata. Uh, it just it's all very curious. But the, so here you have uh, a willing target and the Russians who are very sophisticated about how to exploit a, a, a willing target. And uh, to me, that's what's at work here. And so, you know, when you you try to figure out the specifics of, you know, whether that meeting email, for example, is real in the midst of this, um, do you think stuff like that could just have been planted in there and be completely fake? I do. I think the the emails could be uh, could be contrived, particularly since, as I understand it, from what I've read, uh, they appear uh, without any metadata that is from to and and any technical data, uh, at least immediately evident. Now, uh, if this computer is in the hands of the FBI, they have obviously excellent, uh, sophisticated uh, technical and forensic uh, analytic capabilities, and I think they'll be able to sort it out, whether this is genuine or not. But, you know, it's it's all pretty curious, uh, given, again, two and a half weeks out from the election. Just to be, like, clear about this, everyone at CNN knows this is bullshit. They know, like, now. I mean, I'm, they, a lot of them probably knew at the time. I don't know. We certainly knew at the time. Maybe this is why we're beating them in that demo. You know what I mean? Because, like, at the time, we were telling you this is clearly real. Um, but everyone at CNN knows now, and they know that they propagated that right before the election. Uh, by the way, all the stuff he was talking about with metadata, that's just not true. It's just a flat-out lie. And the other thing that we also know now is that the FBI did have the laptop. They already had a copy of the hard drive well before this. So all of those techniques that the FBI could use, yep, they used it and knew it was legit. So it's not, certainly at least the intelligence uh, apparatus knew already that this was uh, that this was legit and just allowed their people, their spokesmen to go out and, and, and propagate this bullshit. Um, but to, no apology, no even like uh, admission that they did this. And they'll just keep using this guy as an expert. You know, like that's just, that's just the way it works. So, yeah, no wonder. No wonder there. And then they blame all the, you know, oh, but there's all this misinformation online. That's the real problem. Um, Isn't it wild considering their track record of just being blatantly wrong to accuse anyone of misinformation? It is really. It's it's just unbelievable. It's unbelievable. I mean, even when you see like something like when they're talking about the war with Russia, that it's like it it almost never comes up. You know, I was I I, I had a debate um, with a, a couple of guys over uh, uh, over this stuff, and uh, like what we were talking about whether Russia was provoked or not. And I really was making the point that I go, it's like, do you? I go, we literally accused them of of stealing the democratic the democracy away from the American people, 
in 2016. And then we are and not just like random people did this, like the, the CIA, like the people who start wars, accused them of robbing our democracy, overthrowing our government, basically. The, uh, certainly, if that were true, it would be a justification for us to respond. Right. We accused them of that in 2016 and then came out in 2020 and said they did it again. Like or like you you're honestly going to tell me that's not a provocation. That's not like provoking a country to feel like, oh, wow, they're setting up a war with us. Really? There's nothing. there. But even this, it's like stories like you remember the bounties on soldiers heads story in Afghanistan. They said that, that Vladimir Putin was putting bounties on U.S. soldiers heads. It's just completely made up. And they just ran with that. Like that's if if you're like coming at this from, you know, Putin's perspective, wouldn't you see things like that and go, they are setting up the pretext for the pretense for a war here? Like it would clearly the most war hungry country in the world is claiming that we uh, uh like committed an act of war against them when we didn't. It's maybe not that wise to do that to the country with the biggest stockpile of nuclear uh, arms. Maybe not smart. Um, anyway, the, the, the it, we're really entering a time, and this is what CNN's ratings are kind of reflecting. We're just entering a time where it seems like people are just laughing at these people in, in the corporate press. Like, it's just like, they're just, there's such a like punching bag almost. And I, I want to play this next clip. And I don't mean to say that, um, I, I, I don't mean to say that people are laughing at this woman who clearly has a very, uh, like unfortunate um and tragic uh story here uh but this is another one that's really just demonstrating what's going on uh like particularly in cable news but we go from cnn over to their their sister company msnbc let's play this clip well i have been dealing with a little bit of a health scare on december 20th i began to feel chest pains and they waxed and waned over a period of 10 days i wasn't quite sure uh, what to make of it. But as they continued to get worse, I started to think something was actually wrong. Um, it was December 30th when I finally went to an urgent care and was told I had reflux. I didn't really buy it, but I was relieved it wasn't my heart. Uh, my body, though, was pretty certain uh, not to believe uh, the reflux. The next day on December 30th, I woke up with severe pains, both in my chest and in my left shoulder, and it was like a tightening in my chest when I took deep breaths that got worse when I was laying flat. I knew enough at that moment to understand that it could mean, could is the key word here, that I was having a heart attack, especially because it was happening in the left part of my shoulder. I want to remind you, I run seven miles three to four times a week, or I did. Um, I do yoga. I don't eat meat. I don't smoke. I drink occasionally. Not right now, though, because my doctor tells me I can't. Aside from probably not getting enough sleep and working too much, I'm a pretty healthy person. But on that day, I was anything but. My husband drove me to the emergency room, and from there, the nightmare that has been my January began. I was diagnosed with pericarditis, inflammation of the lining of my heart, brought on by a virus, a literal common cold. I also had fluid around my heart that had to be drained or else it could hinder the beating of my heart. I was hospitalized for four nights and transferred from a local hospital to NYU Langone here in New York City. On January 4th, I was finally discharged after doctors drained the fluid around my heart and I bounced out of the hospital. I couldn't get out of there fast enough with the hopes I was on the mend. But that was not the end. Three days later, I was readmitted when I felt a flutter in my heart. 
like a butterfly. It was inside my chest. They determined I had developed myocarditis, inflammation of the actual heart now, the heart muscle. I remember being shepherded through the emergency room and wondering, is this it? It wasn't, thank God. Instead, I spent five more days in the hospital where they ran a battery of tests, adjusted my meds, and made sure nothing else was fueling what was happening. And in fact, in the end, it was still just the cold that was doing all of this, that had caused all of this inflammation in and around my heart. Um, wait, that's a horrible, horrible thing to happen. And I will um, say, I don't know. I'm, I'm no doctor. I don't know, Rob. But you know, Rob, as well as I do, that privately... This woman is thinking to herself, maybe it wasn't a cold that gave me myocarditis. Maybe not. How many, how many has, how many has this MSNBC host had at this point? And we know it increases your risk for myocarditis. How, how on earth? I mean, all right. Fine. You want to come out here and tell me? Well, we definitely know what it was. And it turns out it was, she's not even claiming COVID. Same. It was a cold. A cold gave me myocarditis. Like, all right. That's pretty new. That's pretty new. Colds have been around for a long time. Young, healthy people who run seven miles a day, uh, who, you know, developing myocarditis. That's been, that has been happening a lot. And yet all of a sudden, you know, something, between 2021 and now, it's really led to an uptick in it. I'm sure it's the cold. I'm sure that's what it is. At least she was uh, smarter than some of her coworkers and was fully up to date with the boosters. Because uh, think about how much worse the myocarditis could have been if she had only had three boosters. <laughs> oh, God, that's evil and goddamn hilarious. <laughs> I mean, I'm just saying that it's like, this is what was the term that um uh, uh Dr. Malone was using about it, uh the mass psychosis, uh something like that. It's like this thing where it's like we we all know that everyone involved, including her, is at at the very least wondering. You know what I mean? And yet you're gonna come on and tell everyone else it's definitely not this thing. Isn't there something so profoundly wrong about that? You know, like, it's like, hey, if you had to go through this, like, don't tell everybody else that it can't possibly be this thing that we all know it could possibly be. Why? Why do that? Hey, because some people, you know what they like more than their health? What's that? Money. (laughs) Money. Go down with all the riches. Yeah, money doesn't mean much if you're if you're gonna die. I mean, it's like uh, it's it's almost like your health or your narrative. Which one right. do you which one do you want more? It's really it's just so disturbing. All this COVID stuff, man, it's just so goddamn crazy. We still can't stop talking about it because it's just like the craziest thing that's ever happened to our society. All right, guys, let's take a moment and thank our sponsor for today's show, which is YoKratom.com, home of the $60 kilo. If you are over the age of 21 and you enjoy Kratom, or maybe someone you know is over the age of 21 and enjoys Kratom, 
go get your Kratom at YoKratom.com. It's a no-brainer. It's uh, it's the best quality Kratom out there. It's the best price you're ever going to find, $60 for a kilo, and it's delivered right to your door. You don't have to go drive around trying to find some gas station to, to buy Kratom. It comes right to you. Also, if you love this show, and I know you do, they're, they're one of the best sponsors of not just this show, but the entire network, Skankfest, all of that stuff. So go support them, YoKratom.com, home of the $60 kilo. All right, let's get back into the show. Um, here I wanted to um, here I want to play a little bit also of the uh, the Brett Weinstein clip. I really really enjoyed this. Speaking of the this topic, I, uh, Brett Weinstein is just for for people who know is like a um, a really brilliant guy. He's been very very solid on all of this this COVID stuff, and and I give him a lot of credit for that. He's also just a very very smart guy. And um, so I would, I, you know, I, I really appreciate that he's out there kind of telling the truth. I, I want to play this video. He made a response to Sam Harris here. If you remember a few episodes back, we covered uh, Sam Harris's um, insanity. Uh, and um, yeah, anyway, let's let's play a little bit of this video. Notice that uh, Sam Harris showed up in lots of places he was trending on twitter for some stuff that he said and weirdly enough from my perspective what he said was about me and um well i didn't like it all that uh so the question is what to do about it. and i didn't mention it last week in part because i you know did need a little process and it was going to take longer than pulling over to the side of the road to get past that process uh in order to do anything reasonable with this but i don't know how we ended up here from my perspective and i understand that there are in some sense two planets there's planet what i think is planet reality right and on planet reality i believe sam harris has been wrong about just about everything related to covid and you and i have not been right from the beginning but we rapidly got writer and writer every place we got something wrong we fixed it and we now uh, have a set of positions that, as strange and remarkable as they are, do appear to be borne out by the evidence and uh, are very robust. Okay? Things happen. COVID was complex. Guy got some stuff wrong. What I don't understand is why he's on the offensive, right? Why is he taking a victory lap? Why is he torturing logic in order to rescue his rightness from the evidence. None of that makes any sense. And at some level, I guess he's entitled to do that, but what he's not entitled to do, and you know, look, Sam, among other things, is a moral philosopher. And my claim is going to be that Sam is not entitled to be taking a victory lap where he has been wrong and making the arguments that he's making if he is not also willing to make those arguments to me so that we can pressure test them now i will okay say let's uh after- so, so you can pause it there so uh brett uh goes on to um essentially offer and, and these guys have both they're both very big they've both done a lot of things together in the past like he he moderated the debates between sam harris and jordan peterson they had like a long series of debates between the two of them and he's specifically calling him out in these videos so i think brett's actually absolutely right to say like hey dude if you're gonna like take a victory lap on you know in the most ridiculous absurd way that sam harris did he really ought to you know like step up and brett offers him like basically any um any type of like format or scenario that he wants to 
He's like, you could just come on my podcast. We could go on a neutral podcast. We could submit like uh, all of our information beforehand so that I'm not hitting you with any studies like you haven't seen before and you don't know how to respond to them or something like that. I uh, I reached out to Brett Weinstein. I, I messaged him and uh, uh, said that uh, he I, I thought that was great that he did that and that I, I said that I thought Sam Harris will not take you up on your offer. But regardless, that that in itself will demonstrate something powerful. Uh, and he, he responded back and, and said he enjoyed our uh, our take on Sam Harris. Um, but I, I also said this to him that, uh, you know, uh, I, I don't think he responded to this, at least not yet. But I just I just messaged him back this. But I I said that, you know, from from my perspective, and I don't know Sam Harris, but I also said I don't think this is a new phenomenon since COVID. I think COVID clearly you know, I think Trump and COVID kind of broke the guy a little bit. But I remember when Sam Harris used to have his like defense of torture. Uh, I said no, no pun intended. But the uh, what Brett Weinstein described as tortured logic it was, it was lit- he would do the same thing. It was this same hypothetical nonsense, like starting from a hypothetical. If things weren't at all the way they are, well, then I'd be right, and so then I'm right. Like he would literally go. He would say these things like. He'd be like he'd write these pieces like in defense of torture when after Bush Cheney had like started torturing people and be like, well, I mean, if Manhattan was about to be nuked and the only way to get the information was to torture it out of somebody, I think we'd all say torture is justified. Therefore, get most cool, you know, and you're like, what? But we're torturing people when that's nothing like that is even the situation. And you're also just presuming that torture actually yields good results and that we would be able to get the right information out of him that way. You know what I mean? It's like what like none of this makes any sense. But it was all he always argued in this style. And he does it in his very like, you know, highfalutin kind of like with my I'm an intellectual voice on. But it's all still just terrible. And uh, anyway, uh, I would. On the off chance that uh, Sam Harris actually takes Brett Weinstein up on this, I would really love to see that that debate. I would love to see. I, I I wish there would be more, particularly for people who you know. It's one thing when you have these people in the corporate press bubble that we were just talking about before, where they're like in this apparatus that somehow is still. It feels like it's a zombie apparatus. Like we were talking about, CNN has lower ratings than us in the key demo. But yet their budget has got to be, I don't know, a hundred times higher than us. That seems like a zombie situation. Like this can only last for so much longer. But in the meantime, Don Lemon's making $10 million a year. You know what I mean? So like in the meantime, he he's not coming on the podcast to like debate me. He doesn't like feel like he has to. But I do think for people who are outside of that protection of like the big budget world, like for people who are like making their their they're living uh or or who are keeping their name from their podcast or their social media or something like that i think there should be like enormous pressure put on those people that they gotta like actually sit down with some of the competent people who have opposed the covid regime and argue these points like this thing was just too big and too important that you're like no 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 no. this is it like either you lose all credibility right now and no one downloads your podcast anymore or you gotta like actually you either admit you got it wrong or step up to some somebody and argue your point i'll volunteer right now i'll argue it out with anyone with any high profile person who was who was supportive of the covid regime or the vax regime or any of that i'll argue it out with them and they there's got to be some type of process like that we're not going to be able to convince any msnbc host to do it 
but we might be able to put enough pressure on a Sam Harris type that like, this is it. Like your credibility is done unless you accept this offer. And so I'm kind of, I'm, I'm intrigued by this. Uh, I think it could be like a, a kind of healthy cleansing uh, process. I think that the best case scenario is they, they agree to do it. Some of them and just get smoked, which they will, because there's really no way to defend these positions. Um, and this, and and even if they just refuse to do it, I think that could be a real win in itself. Well, hopefully, we get to see that. Yeah, it would be it would be really, really very interesting, <laughs> very, very interesting to see that. Um, all right, we're gonna uh, we're gonna wrap up there. Uh, thank you, everybody, for listening. Do not forget. We will be out uh, coming up. The next one is Dallas uh, and Fort Worth out there. Me and Robbie the Fire Bernstein coming out there. Or I guess the next one, I'm, I'll be out in L.A. Uh, I think I'm doing some shows at the Comedy Store and then recording some uh, some podcasts and stuff like that. Oh, yeah. So uh, that, that should be fun. Uh, and then the following weekend, me and Robbie out in Dallas and Fort Worth. Uh, and then Detroit after that, and then a whole bunch more after that. ComicDaveSmith.com for all the ticket links. And remind them, where are your shows that are coming up, Rob? At Fairfield this weekend with Justin Silver, and then in two weekends, open up for Ryan Long. Because Chris also hanging on that. That's gonna be a drinking fucking Buffalo weekend. Middle of winter. Let's do it. Hell yeah! All the all the ticket lim- uh, all the ticket links will be in the uh, the description. All right. Thanks for listening, guys. Peace. Peace.